When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you in midweek edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, as uh, we have some members of the uh, the baseball team already making their way out west. It's a road trip for me tomorrow out to uh, South Denver and then Durango, Colorado for little Southwest Baseball uh, wood bat tournament. So Elijah will be driving the bus Thursday and Friday back in with you on the weekend edition, we got plenty to talk about here today. We'll spend time with Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity in about 20 minutes. We'll stream with Babbers on Facebook Live and Twitter, get his take on some Nebraska football topics. U.S. Open underway tomorrow. Mike Schuhart, Wilderness Ridge. He has played in the U.S. Open. Get his take on the field and uh, the, uh, well, the fight between the PGA and the uh, Live Tour. Gary Barnett, a day early, get his thoughts on the entitlement factor that has hurt some big-time teams in college football. Well, how do, you, how do you shake that entitlement issue? And when I think of entitlement, sorry, Bevo, but you come to mind first and foremost, and uh, you have a you have a big big-time entitlement uh, issue in college football because a lot of kids come in uh, told how great they are. That's not new. That's not different. But it's different today because there's some zeros behind how, how much you're measuring greatness with uh, NIL and, uh, of course, uh, some portal realities. So we'll get there. Some injury husk, injured Huskers that need to, to bounce back and be factors for 2022. So we'll get there a jock doc as well. Before we say goodbye, numbers to dial up, get in at 466-3776-4667-76800-825-5865. We've got, uh, well, I think Coach Brett has cracked his first beer. He's uh, out in Cardi at uh, one of our favorite spots, Cunningham's on the Lake, as he's making his trek west to Denver. Uh, so uh, he's... Uh, He's all sorts of fired up listening on 1460. So interesting uh, rundown here. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic uh, always uh, does his hierarchy of college football every four or five years. And as much as I liked Game of Thrones, Elijah, were you big into the medieval terminology? Yeah, I was actually. You, you you can no, change it no, up all you want. No, that's 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 fine. Well, that, that's you, that's my favorite period of history. Yours is is the medieval, the Black Plague era. Yeah, for sure. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I, I always so so in recent years, there's been a, a bigger push to to. You didn't go to away, like 
to move away from strictly European history. If we're honest, European history during that time, during like Dark Age, is pretty boring. But world history as a whole, when you get into the Middle East and you get into China, sure. and if you take the world as a whole, it's much more interesting. Okay. Well put. I, I just never got into... You didn't go to, like, fake battles and stuff, did you? No, no, okay. no. I've, I've been to one Civil War reenactment, but that's not from the era. Okay. No, it's not, but you went to one of those, huh? Very as, cool. As a, okay. What, did you dress up, or did you No, just definitely not. It was, like, middle school era, and they had, like, a whole camp set up, and all the reenactors were sitting in there living like they're living in the 1860s. Yeah. In their camp, explaining how camp life worked, and they all went to a battle and faked like they were dying. Yeah, I mean, you got shot by a uh, a ball the size of uh, two silver dollars, and mm-hmm. there was no remedy. Well, they'd cut off your arm and call it good, and then you die of gangrene later. You die, you'd die <laughs> of the amputation. You should have just kind of rubbed some dirt on the uh, the, the gunshot. So I'm going to switch it up because this is more <clears throat> my terminology. Instead of kings and barons and and knights and peasants. I'm going to go mafia terminology, okay? That's the boss, the underboss, soldiers, and then those guys that aren't made that are associates, uh, peasants and associates uh, is is the link there. Kings and bosses, underboss and barons, knights and soldiers. And are there programs the last, say, seven to ten years that have earned you as a college football fan, you as a Nebraska fan, that's earned your respect? Another big mafia uh, point of emphasis, the respect card. And, and I think, to me, I'll be honest with you, I, I think there's like two or three teams that, that just, for the life of me, I don't get why they've not been good or they haven't won more for a long, long time. Georgia, Texas, UCLA. Okay, I, I look at those three schools and I'm like, how are you guys – Titleless for years, and I know Texas won a title in '05, and I know Georgia just won a national championship and played for another. So, once a Saban disciple got down between the hedges, things turned around. But forever, and I think Mark Richt was a good coach. I thought Terry Donahue was a good coach, but the best they could ever do is eke out a ten and two, and that's still a great season. But with all the talent and all the NFL, Jim Mora, Jim Mora had no problem beating Nebraska when he was at UCLA. Jim Moore had no problem sending guys to the first round. Jim Moore had a Pac-12 problem. Couldn't win a league. Couldn't get to a Rose Bowl. Right? It was it was Foster Farms and Holiday Bowls. And I just I, and that's why he's not there anymore. And so when a program moves on and sees a ceiling despite winning 8, 9, 10 games a year, you can kind of listen to it. After a while, it's either going to step way, way back or, look, by now he would have gotten over the hump. Texas is, is to the entitlement point. We'll hear more from Gary Barnett on this. But you just, you can act like you own it, but you better back up your bravado. And, and Texas just hasn't seemed to do that because they're, they're always, all right, Time to make a excuse me. Time to make a change already. Look at Coach Herman, right? I mean, there was like a a, a race to get Tom Herman from Houston, and he got three years, including a ten win season and a Sugar Bowl victory over Georgia, and it didn't happen. But when I think of, I think of teams that have underachieved, and we get into this hierarchy of college football, those are my three. It's UCLA, it's it's Texas, uh, Miami could be talked about, but. 
Who's earned your respect? Who's lost your respect? And Nebraska right now, based on the the uh, the rankings from Stuart Mandel, like your boss of all bosses, your your emperor is is Alabama. Totally agree with that. The championships they've won, the the assistance they've lost, the NFL talent they've produced, the, the process is is a flat out crazy machine. Uh, you have your underbosses slash you know barons and kind of your other kings of college football. Clemson is is still there. Interested to see how they bounce back. LSU's not far removed. Do you count Michigan? Do you count Michigan as one of the kings of college football? Historically and brand-wise, yes. That's part of this equation for Stewart. But they really, their first real real wow season was, was last year. And uh, that's some recency. Notre Dame is has been really good. They've been to the college football playoff twice. It's been a long, long time since that four and eight season. Then they played for a national championship, I think, in 2012. So uh, Notre Dame, we'll see if they maintain that. Ohio State's been great. They have been great. They played for championships. They won a championship. They beat Alabama on the way to a title, and they did it with backup quarterbacks, which and, is crazy to and, think about. And I'd put them. I mean, I put them above Michigan. If they were to make two or three college football playoffs in the next five years and win one or two of they them, they got to win one, don't you think? But they might be in line to be elevated up to the 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 boss level in the next edition, coming five years from now. I, well, Bama's better better take a step back. One of the two. It, well, well, I mean, if if, it, if Ohio State has another run of the next five years, like they've had over the past five to ten, you could make an argument. To throw Ohio State in there with the bosses of here's, the college here's, world. You, you'd have a southern boss and a northern boss. Sure. You, well, you can have four families, you five can. families. Here's the other thing. I think for Ohio State to do that, Ohio State needs to get a little, and they're really good, so this sounds crazy, but they need to be, they couldn't run the football, right? They wanted to live and win throwing the football in that blizzard against Michigan. Didn't work. Had Michigan beat them. They ran the football. It was power of football. Ohio State, because of their insane receiver talent, won and outclassed you throwing the football. Good luck. And I know that's how football's drifted. It's more pass happy. It's it's more aerial versus ground and pound. And you even see that in the NFL. You still have thousand yard rushers, but it's a pass first league. It is. I think for Ohio State to make the move, and they've had really good running backs, they're going to have to get back to being able to run the football. And and they did not do that well enough in horrible conditions uh, against Michigan. They're going to have to run the football when the other team knows they're going to run the football. Alabama can do that. Alabama has been able to do that. Oklahoma, we'll see if Oklahoma stays on this pedestal of just right under, like, emperor title. Oklahoma's been to the playoffs. Oklahoma's won a lot of conference championships. Oklahoma's done pretty well in bowl games. Oklahoma's done well with draft picks. Oklahoma lost their dude. Mm -hmm. He's now at USC. What does Brent Venables do? Texas, does Texas still, because of brand and eyeballs, do they still rate as... What are the top tier? Are they still in that top tier of college football programs for you? They are not for me. And well, this isn't me hating Texas because they're Texas. It's me saying, 
dude, you've had 100 coaches and you've almost gone two decades since a championship. To me, no. They're, they're, they, are, they are down on that second tier. Brand-wise, no. But what their program really is, yeah, absolutely they're a second-tier football team. Same with USC. Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's been a long time since they've been worth a damn. Both of those. I'd get, I mean, just look at the, the schools from five years ago from the same list who got demoted. Florida. Florida State, Miami, and Penn State. I put Texas and USC down with those schools in, ter- in terms of relevance in the national scene and their their relative power within the college football world. I put Texas and USC down there. I mean, sure, they have the money, they have the uh, the brand exposure, but the wins have not followed. And I think that's a, a big part of being powerful in the college football world. So I would have demoted Texas and USC out of this. Absolutely. Auburn and Florida now are second tier programs iowa had made has made the jump from third tier to second tier nebraska stays in the second tier despite going on five years and no postseason oregon's fallen back a little bit so but this is this the soldiers tier of the mafia uh this hierarchy? this this is, oh, this, is uh, this is the soldiers okay. tier we just went under the over we just went over the underbosses uh your your boss of all bosses bama is nebraska still uh, a knight or a soldier in the mafia world? Are they still in that third tier? Based on brand, yes, they are. And if we're throwing Texas in this tier, I think you could throw Nebraska in this tier because a lot of parallels. Yeah, this is the the tier where I go. Okay, the wins and losses haven't been there, but you still have the the brand exposure. That's why you still earn your way into this into this tier here. Tennessee and A and M right are are in this tier. Sparty and in, in Wisconsin of this tier. Uh, we talk Auburn and Florida and Florida State and Iowa, the U. Iowa just got promoted into this tier this they, year. They did. I think when it comes to who can crawl back up, who can elevate, man, I, I don't like how things are going for, for Auburn's head coach. I mean, the guy had a investigation. Florida's had too much turnover. Maybe Napier's the answer. Maybe Cristobal is the answer to restore the U. Maybe Maybe Mel Tucker's more than a one-hit wonder. Jimbo and A and M. I mean, they'll they'll either rise or die, mm. right? It goes one way or the other. Because I don't know that A and M fan will be super patient, and he's already been there five years, going eight and four every year. They need to to make a jump. I think James Franklin's window is closed. They had a three-year window where they were trading punches with. Ohio State and got them once. I think that window's closed, and I think Michigan and Michigan State. I think Sparty's in better position to rise up than than uh, to to see Penn State make another run at a Big Ten title. Who knows with Tennessee? Quite honestly, and it's really do or die now or never for Nebraska. And say Nebraska gets back on track to a good bowl game, a respectable bowl game. They finished first or second in the West or tied for, for second in the West, and they're playing an SEC team, right? That can, can break the uh, the hex, so to speak, for Nebraska, and uh, maybe you get some positive momentum there. Is Wisconsin just going to be in purgatory for a while? And it's a good purgatory going 9-3, and 9-4 and four every year. But, man, they were not that far removed from a 12-1 and season. The schedule broke right for him. Are they going to get through to a college football playoff ever? They have elite defense. 
They don't have a difference maker at quarterback. They've got incredible running back play with Allen, uh, as there's a lot of expectations for him, and you think they're always going to be pretty good on the defensive line. Quarterback's what holds them back. I mean, for me, as long as their offense is stuck in 2002, they're never going to rise up and make it to a college football playoff. Yeah, uh, so... Unless they just have a... a freaking dominant offense one year that's still just running the ball pounding the rock I, I just don't see that happening in today's college football world some knights slash soldiers of the college football world you have byu that's been pretty good kansas state minnesota just doesn't have enough wow but they've been a really good football program oklahoma state i think should be higher uh than they than they are and then the uh the associates slash the peasants of college football I, i'd call these the the people, the, like the, the small business owners who are getting racketeered. Yes. <laughs> you can either pay us for your protection or we'll break your windows. Purdue just won nine games. They're apparently the, the unwashed. Calling all Storm Chasers fans. A team you never get to see is making their way to Werner Park June 7th through the 12th, and that's the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. It's the first meeting between the two franchises, and there's plenty going on that week. June 9th is the Chasers Community Celebration for Pride Night, presented by PayPal. June 10th is What If Night, where the Storm Chasers will change their name to the Hogs. A little backstory, that was a previous Omaha team and was a potential name change when the franchise was looking to rebrand. It's a battle of pigs versus hogs. You can't have a name change without new jerseys too. Specialty jerseys will be worn that night. And of course, they'll be autographed and auctioned off. Snag your favorite player June 10th and then run it back on the 11th. It's Salute to Corn Night presented by the Nebraska Corn Board. It's a celebration of all things corn. Corn on the jerseys, corn in the stands. Trust me, this game will be amazing. See you there. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mr. College Football, Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. We're streaming with Mike. He's at his home football office, ESPN Lincoln, uh, Facebook, ESPN Lincoln, Twitter. Babbers, how we doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. I'm just trying to figure out who Elijah's for in this NHL playoff deal. Uh, he's wearing his Avs gear, and, and he's uh, <laughs> he left his Patrick Waugh hockey mask off since we're since we're streaming that's that's a big thing and i'm sure some people would prefer i covered the mustache you, you, you know you, you keep on combing that thing you do what you want to do we're talking tiers of college football and who's been relegated who's been elevated a good story by Stuart mandel i put a little mafia twist on it instead of kings and barons and knights and peasants i um, got a mafia fascination so boss and underboss and soldier and then associate Mike. And right now I have Nebraska somewhere between the underboss and soldier region. And uh, Nebraska's pretty much been in witness protection, right? So uh, I'm interested to, to get your thoughts here. What tier does Nebraska football belong on based on their, their, their relevancy, based on their recency, and, and their impact. There's a lot of different dynamics because Nebraska's brand power, that doesn't expire. It doesn't seem to, to expire. I think that's what's keeping Nebraska in the conversation, really, to be honest with you, is Nebraska's image, you know, those national championships. 
under Osborne and then before that Devaney. But uh, so you've got Nebraska kind of between three and four. Is that I've got, got them I've, from a from a brand standpoint? They're still a two. Uh, if we're going last five years, they're they're probably a peasant or you know an associate. But if we if we if we zoom out a little bit, it wasn't all bad this decade with uh, some nine win seasons, some ten win seasons. If you go from twenty eleven to to now, the the first half was was pretty good uh, or or you know decent at least top twenty five. So I'm not completing completely writing them off. Uh, they've They've struggled. Uh, Texas is, is also it's, it's kind of a similar comp with uh, I mean, Texas has had a, a little bit better peaks, but it, but um, they've also had some really some really low valleys uh, with their program. Yeah, Texas always concerns me because I think that Texas, um, because of the because of the tradition, that's part of it. The same thing as Nebraska, but because of the money and everything that's involved with Texas. Uh, it's got its own network and it's affiliated with ESPN, right? So mm-hmm. anytime you're affiliated with ESPN, ESPN, there's some promotional value to that. SEC gets an advantage from ESPN because of the promotional value of that. And I, I think that that really benefits Texas beyond what Texas has accomplished. But it doesn't take a whole lot for Texas. If Texas wins, it's a little bit like Notre Dame. You know, and Notre Dame has that long tradition. And if you have some semblance of success, you're going to get the national response that you that you have always gotten because there's that perception that goes back a long way for those two programs. But I don't I don't think either one of those programs are in the I'd put them at the third level um, just because, again, perception has put them where they've been in a position to do some things. You know, when you're when you're talking about we're still talking about voting. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still pick teams. You don't win your way in necessarily. You're picked into the playoffs. Um, and so I think there's an advantage there for both those programs. If they have some degree of success um, and, you know, what success means here is I guess you got to you can't afford to lose more than one game, maybe two. Um, but they're going to be in that conversation. But I put them down, and they're in that in that third level. Does Nebraska get the same bounce back if they have a breakthrough? I, you know, I don't think immediately Nebraska does. I think Nebraska's got some work to do before it moves back up in the into that situation because it's been so long since Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Under Bo Pelini, Nebraska always won at least nine games, always played in a bowl game. Um, there were some embarrassing losses during that time, none more embarrassing than the Wisconsin thing in the in the uh, uh, Big Ten championship game, probably. But um, I think Nebraska has some work to do to get back in that position because it has not been consistently in the national conversation for about twenty years. Well, while we're talking, and, you know, I think that's that's what makes it difficult. While Sorry. we're talking uh, mafia theme here, I, I've done some thinking. I, I think. 
Nebraska is the underboss who went against the direct orders of the boss to sell drugs and got hot. So now they're spending a little five-year sentence in jail. When they get back, they're going to have to pay some dues to get back to their old underboss spot. But they, they still have that door open. The boss still likes them. See, that's a unique mafia story. <laughs> Babbers, uh, every movie I've seen and you and I've seen him, you deal, you die <laughs> in the mafia. I want to go into uh, a point you touched on, Mike, with, with ESPN. Big Ten media rights are being negotiated right now, and we should know something in the summer as to where the uh, the, the new lucrative deal Goes is it still tier one for Fox and ESPN? If you're if you're the, the Big Ten, do you do you walk from ESPN to to maybe be that new two thirty entree for for CBS since the SEC is moving to ESPN? You've got a opportunity there to be the new CBS Saturday college football extravaganza and then also partner up with NBC to go back to back with Notre Dame and then the big big 10 game of the week or can you afford to walk away or not be as is is viewed on ESPN you're not totally going to not be with ESPN in some form or fashion but man it's been uh, been it's been pretty good for the big 10 uh, a lot of years with the 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 Saturday night or that 11 o'clock even Fox big noon kickoffs done really well in its short time. But what's your take on, on the ESPN relationship? How necessary is it? Well, in terms of money, the big Ten's done well, obviously there's no question about that. The thing that concerns me is with ESPN and, and yeah, the sec, the SEC network is also affiliated with ESPN, right? I mean, isn't that part of it? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're one of the, it's, it's like Fox owning a large portion of the Big Ten network. Right, right. And and to me, it's not necessarily the game times and the whatever that ESPN provides. It's what ESPN provides in the non-game situations, the talk. You know, the it, it, there's a promotional element to ESPN. Um, I guess you could call it editorial element to ESPN. I mean, the first letter, the E stands for entertainment, right? So mm-hmm. it's not um, – but I think that there's a there's a value there that influences things. Again, we're, we're talking about the playoffs. It's voting. It's not – you don't win your way in necessarily. It, it, you have to be voted in. Um, you have to be picked. It, it, it has to do with rankings yet. And I don't know how you would resolve it any other way um, other than my lame constant complaint that if you have to win your conference before you're in the before you're in the playoffs when you've only got four teams or you make some provision where Notre Dame could get in. But um, I don't know how you do it any other way. You have to, you have to pick them. But ESPN, the promotional value of being involved in ESPN, I think, is really important. Um, from that standpoint. But if you're about the money and you can get the good money and you can be affiliated with CBS, um, that's not all bad. Well, Mike, we've seen that with NHL in recent years as I wear my abs jersey where they lost their deal with ESPN uh, back in the early 2000s, I believe. And uh, during their time with NBC, their their ratings steadily dropped year after year because ESPN wasn't talking about the NHL. So I think we've seen it there. But on the other hand, 
Uh, we also have ESPN's deal with the college football playoff ending in 2025. So there could come a day where ESPN isn't the one holding the, the selection shows. They aren't the ones that have the college football playoff. It could even go somewhere like Fox. So is it short-sighted to say, well, we can't be uh, – or we have to make sure we're, we're on ESPN because of the college football playoff and because of eyes because you don't know. In, in four years, ESPN might not be uh, all about college football like they are now because they have the college football playoff. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, my my sense is probably ESPN is going to be in that same position. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that. I mean, that, it's it's a difficult thing because you're signing long-term contracts in mm-hmm. these situations. So you're going to probably sign something that's going to carry it beyond that time frame. Um, and, you know, researchers that are involved in this know more about it than what, what I do. But... Mm-hmm. I still think that ESPN is going to be an influential uh, um, outlet uh, when it comes to college football. I really, I really believe that. Mike Babcox with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. The 23rd of June, the yearbook party happens at the Hale Varsity Club just in La Vista. Want to see you there for that and get your subscription to the yearbook and Hale Varsity Magazine, HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Mike, before we go, I want to get your thoughts on Gabe Irvin. Uh, expectations for him. What do you think is, is possible for him with this running back rotation? You know, that's interesting because you, you mentioned about injuries, and I, I think he's one of those guys that maybe people kind of forgot about a little bit, you know, because you got Yant, um, you've got uh, Grant coming in, you got Ramir Johnson still, um, Step. Uh, you know, I don't know. what uh, Fall camp is going to be a big, very competitive situation at running back, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've got a lot to learn about any one of those players being able to step up. And, I, you know, I think somebody has to step up and take that job. Um, you have great depth, and that's a good thing, but somebody has to be your go-to back. Does he have the ability to do that? There's no question he does. But I think you could ask the same of, does Grant have it? Yeah, um, I think he does. Does Step have it? I think he does. Ramirez got the experience. Does he have it? Yeah. Um, does Yant have it? Yeah. Um, it's going to be a... It's going to be a scramble, I think. Um, and maybe by the end of fall camp, somebody's in the transfer portal. Is that possible? I mean, it, are you surprised that this many talented backs are still here? I am not. You've had uh, you've had a lot of potentially talented guys depart just because of how, how crowded the room was. I, I think what I feel best about before we say goodbye is – a pretty good rotation settled on the best will emerge and I think they'll be coached to, to a high level with, with Applewhite. I think that'll be I think that, that search for a go-to will will be fixed, Mike. But there has to be a go-to, right? I Absolutely. Mean, somebody is going to have to emerge if you're going to feel good about that running game and of course it goes back to the offensive line, but somebody has to emerge at running back. Somebody has to be the guy. Absolutely, with with presumably less quarterback run. Mike, will uh, check in next week. This was awesome to spend some time and talk some ball. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks for having me, guys. Be safe.
Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night. Presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC. And after a couple of road matches, will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's it's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio Midweek Edition. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Good to get uh, caught up with Mike Babcock. That interview posted on ESPNLincoln.com, the on-demand section, uh, the podcast part also on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. The entire show will be uploaded for you. All you got to do is subscribe. Appreciate you doing so, uh, as uh, many of you have. And uh, be sure to give us that feedback, good, bad, or ugly. We will absolutely take it. want to remind you about uh, getting a subscription to Hale Varsity and uh, do so today. And we've got a promo code for you. And uh, when you check it out, you uh, can log on uh, and get that subscription to Hale Varsity. Get $10 off the annual price of $79.99. The uh, code is GBR. GBR is the code. And uh, get that submitted, hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe, or just go to hailvarsity.com and uh, get it handled that way. We are efforting. Uh, one Mike Shuhart will uh, send a text out to Shuey and see uh, if he's available for a few minutes. Always love uh, the U.S. Open. I would love to, uh, to, to be a, a patron at Brookline, uh, the historic course. And uh, see what happens. How does this grab you, Elijah? Well, uh, Rory is now the favorite. Oh, wow. He is past Scheffler as far as the betting fave. Well, uh, I see. I don't bet golf because that's just me throwing my money away. So uh, (laughs) I I don't know how to read that, but I would love to see Rory win one. I was going to say, in the meantime, we could play John Rahm's comments from yesterday about uh, Yeah, absolutely. Rahm's been very outspoken. We'll talk to Coach Barnett, too, about Rahm, him and... Him and uh, Rahm are, are the same course down in, in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. So here is John Rahm uh, earlier this week. I do see the appeal that other people see towards the live golf. Um, I do see some of the, I put this delicately, um, points or arguments I can make towards why they prefer it. Uh, to be honest, part of the format is not really appealing to me. Shotgun three days to me is not a golf tournament, no cut. It's that simple. Uh, I want to play against the best in the world in a format that's been going on for hundreds of years, right? So that's what I want to see. And, yeah, money is great. But when Kelly and I, was, this first thing happened, we, we started talking about it. And we're like, will our lifestyle change if I got $400 million? No. It will not change one bit. Truth be told, I could retire right now with what I've made and I've lived a very happy life and not play golf again. So, uh, I've never really played the game of golf for monetary reasons. I play for the for the love of the game, and I want to play against the best in the world. I've always been interested in history and legacy, 
And right now, the PGA Tour has that. There's there's a meaning when you win the Memorial Championship. There's a meaning when you win Arnold Palmer's event at Bay Hill. There's a meaning when you win L.A., Torrey, some of these historic venues. And that, to me, matters a lot, right? Uh, I have, you know, after this winning this, this past U.S. Open, you know, only me and Tiger have won at Torrey Pines. And we're both the golf course that we like, making putts on the 18th hole, right? That's a memory I'm going to have forever that not many people can say. So... Uh, my heart is with the PGA Tour. That's all I can say. It's not my business or my character ju- to judge anybody who, who thinks otherwise. Uh, and for a lot of people, I'm not going to lie, those next three, four years are worth basically their, their retirement plan they're giving them. It's a, it's a very nice compensation to them retire and sail off to the sunset. So, well put by John Rahm. It is substance and legacy, and reckoning, and history over champagne and caviar. Against good talent, I mean, the, the, the Live Tour has attracted some some wow dudes. Their tournament uh, is lucrative. It's lucrative, and it's funded by bad dudes, <laughs> okay? And... That's your, you can have a social stance, you can have a moral stance, and then you can just have a, a, a flat out, all right, I'm, I'm winning more important accolades. There's more reckoning. There's more legacy uh, with the PGA, and they've been around forever. I mean, it's the same reason why you don't have these European soccer stars coming over to the MLS and playing in America. It's, yeah, you can come make more money in America. You can get better endorsement deals in America. You can live in a great place like L.A. or Miami or New York City and be uh, the talk of the town. But, at but the, you're at not the end going the day, against the best. At the end of the day, you're not going against the best. You're not building your legacy. You build your legacy with World Cups, uh, with uh, Champions Leagues, with going and winning the Premier League, going and winning the, the Bundesliga, whatever you're going to do. That's how you go build your legacy, and that's what these guys care about. And that's what the, the PGA Tour is. Is Yeah, you might not make the same amount of money, but it, it's going to be... Uh, your career accolades are going to be made in the PGA, not not in this live golf tournament where, sure, you can make a lot of money, but it's not the same. We'll dive into uh, a little bit more uh, the running back rotation. Give me some NHL. How are you feeling about your abs? And, uh, you know, it's been a while since they've hoisted the, the cup. And it, they've been in the playoffs a lot, not recently per se, but – Man, uh, for oh, a long time it was the Joe Sackage and, uh, and Forsberg and Hayden yeah, and 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 and, and Wall. I mean, mm-hmm. those were the squads that that I knew quite a bit about, and then now they're they're back uh, knocking on the door again. Well, yeah, the, the Avalanche hold one of arguably one of the the better moments in Stanley Cup history, where uh, Joe Sackage before uh, hoisting the cup after they beat the Devils back in 01, he hands it off to Ray Bork, a guy who'd been in yeah, the, the all league for, for 20 traded, years. Traded from Boston, yeah. He never got a chance to win a cup, and in his final year, uh, he goes and wins a cup with the Avs and gets to hoist the cup, one of the best moments. Uh, but that was the last time the Avs have been in the Stanley Cup Finals was that year. So it's been a while. Uh, they're the better team. They've been the best team in the NHL all year long. Uh, they're the betting favorites in Vegas over the Tampa Bay Lightning team, but they go up against a different challenge and probably the best goalkeeper in the world in Vasilevsky. 
they've got a, a physical experienced team that's been there and done that against them in uh, in Tampa Bay as a whole, where Tampa Bay is coming off two straight championships. But uh, the Avalanche have the young talent. They have the speed. Uh, they have the skill. It's a question of can they come up to, uh, and play a very good team and live up to their own expectations. It's been Stanley Cup or bust all year long for this Avalanche team. Now they're here. Is the pressure going to get to them? They don't have... Uh, many guys at all that have been on this stage. I think they only have one player that's ever, oh, uh, ever played in a Stanley Cup final. So uh, that's the question. It's, it's experience versus, I don't want to say experience versus talent because Tampa Bay also has talent of their own, but uh, the abs on paper out talent them. They, they have the, these young superstars. They have the futures of the game on their team. So uh, we'll see what comes of that. I played that a little bit earlier there. You're good. But. No question. I mean, are they going to be in Denver Saturday night? They are. Okay. What's that, what's that going to run me if I want to go see a Stanley Cup Finals game? If you want to go lower bowl, you're talking fifteen hundred to two thousand. If you want to go sit in the upper deck, up in the nosebleeds, it'll be five to six hundred dollars. Okay. Don't ask me why I've looked into it because I, I, I knew I was never going to make it out there. But I checked. I'll be there. If you go, I will be so angry. If you're <laughs> what there, what right I'm not. do you have <laughs> to soil the Pepsi Center? The ball arena now. Oh, name change. My fault. We'll wind down hour one coming up. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Let's uh, finish up with Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf, and Shuey jumping into the U.S. Open. Thanks for giving us a shout, bud. What's the experience like playing in the Open? Uh, It's incredible. I mean, massively difficult, but... (laughs) always fun to play in a major especially that major i mean that's that's your u.s open that's your united states major so uh, and it's just a it's it's fun but demoralizing at the same time i mean the golf course is set up so hard and so difficult that it, it tests your physical and your mental skills and frustrates you to death but it, it's still fun doing it Shuey, your thought on Rory. He is the betting favorite over Scheffler. Do you uh, feel Rory this weekend, or who do you like? Mm. I like John Rahm. Mm-hmm. I like Justin Rose. So I like to look at guys that are trending. So Justin Rose, obviously, trending. He's been playing really well. He's got a game that suits a U.S. Open. Shopley. He'll be another one that's in there. So it's a ball, oh man. It's just you got to have every aspect of your game, man. You got to be able to strike it and keep it in play. You got to have a great short game because the greens are hard and fast, and the fairways are narrow with massively long rough. So it's it's a test of patience. Um, got to grind it out till the end. So I think you'll see some guys that that you haven't heard of be up there? Sam Burns? How about this name? Davis Riley. Anybody ever heard of him? Just Mike Schuhart. I definitely have. <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably played at the course, hasn't he? He's been to Wilderness a few times. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> See, exactly. There's that, uh, that, that Wilderness karma coming on, right? I mean... Uh, it's no accident, baby. Mike uh, Shuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, Phil does what this weekend? Uh, that's going to be interesting where he's at. You know, does he play because of all of the negativity that's around him and and try to show, you know, show people up in a sense? 
or is it is it overwhelming? You know, it, it'll be interesting to see his the reaction that people have towards Phil. I don't think it'll be super positive with all the stuff that's going on and where he kind of stands on that. So, but guys like that typically like that adversity and they perform under that adversity. So, we'll see how he does. You mentioned the U.S. Open's test, and I got about 30 seconds. What part of your game has to be best? You listed a lot of them, but what ne- what, what's what's the uh, the most important aspect for this weekend? Uh, it's ball striking. I mean, you have to be a good ball striker because you have to keep the ball in play because the setup is typically so difficult that if your ball is not in play, unlike other golf courses, because the rough, they grow the rough out so long and they narrow the fairways that you just start very limited in what you can do from those situations. So guy that's a really good ball striker, keeps the ball in play, um, you know, always has a chance because he's not playing from difficult situations where bogeys are very prevalent to happen. So, I mean, you look at your best ball strikers, always, they always play pretty well at an open. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey will check in next week. Always appreciate your time, bud, and we'll uh, we'll check in uh, down the road. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Got a two-shot penalty. I was late to my tee time. You're fine, buddy. No, no worries. <laughs> Take care, Shuey. Hey, it's Schmidt. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing. And they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery into Hour 2. We're switching it up just a bit. We are off to uh, Colorado to see Coach Barnett. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, the doors would be locked, but uh, we need to talk to Coach today because I'll be on the way to Colorado tomorrow. Coach, how's the week doing? Uh, week's going well. We had some nice, cool weather come through here, uh, although it's going to be gone by the time you get here. But, uh, yeah, things are, things are going well here. So on a scale of 1 to 10, your desire to, to have a beer at a Rockies game Saturday night is what? Oh, listen, that's top 
drawer right there, that's that's a great place to go to a game. I don't know how much of a game you'll see, but it doesn't make any difference, you know. When you're when you go to a baseball park, it's, it's you, you're just part of history and nostalgia and baseball. And so, yeah, that's a great place to go. I mean, it's it's a great stadium, and uh, hopefully you get a good game. But uh, yeah, it's a party down there. Yeah, it's it's fun, and and that's uh, some of the the plans uh, for for Junior and his team on Saturday. Uh, we'll get to some football in a minute. I want to get your thoughts, though, uh, on on the U.S. Open. That gets underway tomorrow out in Brookline, Massachusetts. And uh, a thought from what you've seen and read with some of the different press conferences. Of course, John Rahm, uh, pretty impassioned. I loved his uh, soundbite from yesterday. Phil just looks like he's aged a little bit. Uh, Rory's been outspoken. And uh, and oh, by the way, yeah, it's it's another major on deck tomorrow. What have you made of uh, golf this week? The drama. Well, it's uh, you know, in, in one way, it's really good for golf, and so it's. Uh, I mean, the pandemic alone did more for golf than anything that's ever happened. But uh, uh, now, you know, it's the old uh, any publicity is good, and there there's a lot of publicity around golf right now. The the LIV and mm-hmm. all the things that are being said. It just for for guys in the sports uh, business, sports radio business, it's probably pretty good. <clears throat> You don't have to worry about what you're going to talk about each day, but uh, yeah, they just pr- keep providing sound bites and hits and you know uh, news, so it's pretty cool. I mean, it's interesting, and uh, you know, I did I did get a kick out of Rom, uh, you know, and he he is a member of the club that I'm a member of in, in Arizona, and I've got I got to know him just a very little bit when he first joined, and just coming out of ASU. Uh, and he's he's an impassioned Spaniard man, and mm-hmm. um, and Rory Rory's sort of seizing the horn seizing the horns right now. He's he's sort of taking taking over speaking for the for the league or for, for the PGA and for the tour players, and uh, it's sort of good to see that him sort of becoming so mature and and being someone that everybody likes to watch and listen to and. And sort of roots for it out every doggone event. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff going on. And uh, you know, I I like uh, Justin Thomas in this event. I don't know who you like, but I he's playing so well and he's so good in majors. I think he's going to be hard to beat. Gary Barnett's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. U.S. Open thoughts. Some college football thoughts. Couple of interesting stories out. One with Adam Rittenberg at ESPN. And uh, he touched on some programs that are trying to to go from from good or respectable to the elite level. We spent some time on it yesterday. Uh, the athletic is doing their state of the programs, and you know there's some concern down in Texas. And then we uh, we look at Athlon in Nebraska the last week. The uh, the dreaded anonymous coaches uh, deeming Nebraska the all get off the bus team. They look tough and imposing, but they'll screw up at some point, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the word on, on Nebraska that Frosty and company are trying to change. I want to start with Texas, Coach. And as you look at that situation, uh, as you have Texas poised to move to the to the to the SEC, and and you have Sark that went five and seven, is Texas and their brass down there? 
Are, are they on the verge of of being too impulsive when it comes to to their their expectations? And and I look at Mac, and I look at kind of the chain of events, coach, and and the coaching changes that Texas has undergone. And I mean, is, is Sark in trouble already in year two, or is it just getting turned up because of how bad year one went? Uh, probably a combination of the two. I think that uh, no one expected Sark to go, what, five and seven yeah. last year. I mean, and nobody did. Um, nobody saw that one coming. And uh, I think it's all based on the image that Texas and Texas high school football and the kids who sign with Texas, um, the persona that it creates – you still have to go back and, and look at what, what brought Mac Brown down. And that was basically the entitlement issue. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that ever goes away. Uh, and, and if it, if it does, it only goes away with the fact somebody that's so hard nosed about it, uh, that just creates a culture of, of toughness and you either buy in or you don't go. And, so it's I don't know whether that's Sark. I don't that, I don't know if that's his style. And and I, I, I frankly sort of think that that he's just a he's just the next guy in line for an entitlement problem. And um you know Sark has yet to really prove himself out there. And you know, I thought it was a really interesting hire. I know that he went to the Nick Saban School of Rehab. And and that should automatically put you in a good position, but I don't know. I, you know, I think that combination uh, is such that I think he really is probably on the hot seat if he has any kind of a year that's close to what it was last year. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Colorado Northwestern, uh, and of course Missouri Hall of Famer. Coach, does does Nebraska have an entitlement problem? Oh, I think. Through the years, that's true. I think there's been an entitlement problem. I think that the community, it's its one of the things that you get when you have a community and a state that is so supportive of your program that the, those players are, are uh, reach a status within the state and then in the community that that can make you and and uh, make you feel entitled mm -hmm. so i think that's that's all that's all that's a double-edged sword there that's what you that's what happens in in states and programs where uh it is so important but uh you know that being said over the last three or four years five or six years seven or eight years you know that you think that would have changed a little bit, but you would also think that of Texas. You know, you would think that eventually people would see that that's what the problem is, or not problem, but that's certainly not the solution. And, um, you, you know, somehow work their way through it. But um, uh, I think that's always been a bit of an issue there. How do you deal with it? You mentioned culture of toughness and the, the double-edged sword. Tell me about your your career did you ever run up against it at the spots you were at when, once you got to a certain level? Well, I was, I've never been in a place where there's entitlement. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always been an uphill grind, you know, and, um, 
So I've never experienced that. And, you know, I, I know just talking to coaches that have worked at Nebraska, they've always felt like that that's really an issue mm-hmm. for them. But, um, you know, it, it, it's when you look back at Nebraska and uh, even Texas before um, the problems uh, popped up mm-hmm. is – they could run the ball when they needed or wanted to run the football. Mm-hmm. And that is a level of toughness. And so that, to me, sort of offsets some of that entitlement issue. When you can run the football, and, and as we're going to go on and talk about Nebraska, and I'm, you know, when I, you're going to talk about Mark Whipple, I know a little bit. And I, I'm just going to say when you're a team that's tough enough to run the football when you want to run it, then you have a chance. And I think that part of the culture, that part of the inside culture uh, eliminates or negates some of that entitlement issue. Tell me about Mark uh, a little bit. You're close with him. His persona, his philosophy, he, to me, seems throwback. And while he's known for passing and and. Uh, getting the best player of the football and really doing wonders at a bunch of different spots and really developing quarterbacks through his career. He seems, when push comes to shove, he wants to be physical with you. Is that fair? Well, you know, Mark and I are friends. I don't. I haven't been in meeting rooms with him, sure. and I haven't. I, 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 you know, I haven't been on a staff with him, so I can't really assess that. Uh, I, I know that um, the good ones that I've been around. Um, are going to find a way to when when it gets down to when you have to win a game by running the football, you are tough enough and good enough, and you've got a mentality that when I have to run it and I want to run it, I'm going to run it successfully. And that's that's usually a culture and a toughness issue. And and so uh, I I think. Uh, as I look at everything and as I think how Mark might assess it or, you know, when Sean Watson was there or some other guys that I've been around, um, that's the approach they're going to take. And while you can be electric and score points quicker and faster and, and, and you need to have that passing game uh, and, and you need to throw when you want to throw, but, but there comes a time in almost every football game when you have to run the and a close game when you have to run the game, run the ball, and you have to get first downs, and that means you have to run the ball effectively when you need to run it and when you want to run it. Those are the those are the great teams, and um, the, and the better teams, I might add. So, um, my guess is whether that announcement's ever made to a staff or ever made to a team. I don't know, but I know deep down inside, most offensive coaches would tell you that. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Coach, a couple of teams that are on this, that elite tier discussion point from Rittenberg's article. Uh, You have Michigan State and and Mel Tucker, and and also uh, you have Texas A&M and Miami mentioned uh, that are uh, they're trying to figure out that what you know what's next for them, and then Oklahoma State. I, I want to end and wrap with with Sparty and in Oklahoma State. 
your thoughts on Gundy and and what Oklahoma State is going to be? Can they be the best in the Big Twelve, especially after this Oklahoma Texas departure? Uh, absolutely, I think so. It's funny. Mary and I were talking last night about the coaches. We had dinner with Coach Denardo, and and we were just talking about coaches that have been around a long time. And and you go back and think of the the coaches that have been in that position for the longest time. And, you know, Gundy and Ferentz have to be those two guys. But, um, you know, I don't have the whole list in front of me. But you think about how long he's been there. And, uh, you know, I know when we played him when he, the first year there, we actually shut him out. But you see what he's done and what he has access to. He's got a, a major financial supporter. He's in a very, very supportive state. Um, again, a state without professional sports makes it makes it other than basketball, of course. But um, you know, it gives you a chance with no pro football, and and you know, people are interested and supportive uh, of the sport. You know, he's in a good spot. You lose Texas and you lose Oklahoma. I mean, really, who else is out there that's really going to seize seize that? Um, you know, Baylor, uh, I don't think so. They, you know, you, you just don't have that same culture there. Texas Tech, certainly not. I mean, who's it going to be? Um, so I think they are probably in a position to to really uh, take over that conference. What about Mel Tucker? Is is Michigan State a, a spot that can be – 11 and 2, 12 and 1. I know D'Antonio had a great run. We're talking three, top three, top five, top seven in the country, beating Ohio State. He's done it there not long ago, less than 10 years ago. And then Mel went 11 and 2. And I'm just wondering if Sparty's a one hit wonder or if there is some staying power uh, where they can compete again with Ohio State and, and have their way against Michigan. They've been winning against Michigan up until last year. And they beat him well, last year, but, too. But Michigan has been like the way you described Nebraska a few seconds ago, a few minutes ago. They find they found a way to beat themselves, and mm-hmm. you know that, uh, when it comes to playing that game. But um, when you think of D'Antonio, what do you think of? Tough, just grumpy. There you go. And uh, you know it's yet to be proven whether Mel Tucker can produce that kind of team. Now, my guess is. I think he probably can, but nobody knows that yet. Now, last year, we don't know. We don't know how good they can be consistently uh, because, you know, the the running back had such a s- sensational year. But um, if they can maintain that, and, and I, like I said, I think he probably can after being with Mel for a year, um, uh, then I think they go, they are going to be pose, uh, poised to, to really be a factor in that league for a long time. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, thanks for a few minutes today. All right, Chris, great to be being with you. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year 
of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com. Backslash subscribe. Promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show. Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Gary Barnett at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Elijah's got his abs gear on. Do you have multiple abs jerseys, or is this just the same? Uh, this is the only one that fits me currently. I have uh, a couple from my youth that I got as like Christmas presents and whatnot, but they're the old style, and they, they, they don't even come close to fitting me anymore. So this is, this is the only one I wear. You keep rocking those hockey sweaters, and uh, don't let anyone give you any trouble about the shirt or the mustache. Oh, okay, I, I, I wasn't, but I, people give me trouble about that. Like, are, are you saying something? Like, no, I'm just, I'm just letting you know that, you know. What? I walked out of the house feeling confident this morning. <laughs> I actually on the way, good for you. On the way over to the to the radio station this morning, uh, I, I pull up uh, on the, like into the turn lane next to a car that was going straight, and this guy looks over at me and he tells me to roll my window down. I roll my window and he goes, "Go abs, baby, abs in four. So, Avs fans are everywhere. No one's giving me trouble for this. Thing. Good work. Uh, you heard from Coach Barnett. The topic of entitlement, and it's all intertwined, isn't it? We talked uh, college football tiers with Stuart Mandel's release. Uh, the Kings, the Barons, the Knights, the Peasants of college football, the different tiers. We kind of put our own little spin on it in, in the world of, of mafia rankings where you have your your boss your underboss your soldiers and then your associates and where does nebraska factor into the college football tier and it's an interesting discussion because of the the brand history that's always top notch versus the reality of not being good in the conference not being good in college football when it comes to to beating and competing in ranked games and not being postseason bound the last five years that can that can all shift uh, this season for nebraska there's just uncertainty and you know a lot of things have ailed nebraska we talk about transition and resets and uh, attrition right and just the, the the move into the big 10 where nebraska's not been what what they were advertised to be other than eyeball eyeballs in 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 a brand but has entitlement been a, an issue for Nebraska and coach Barnett associated running the football and being able to run the football with whether or not you have an entitlement program problem and to me if if you it comes down to toughness right that's that's what it spilled out to me when i think of texas i think of soft and i think of uh, despite a great running back down there i just think you know country club attitude michigan country club attitude right i mean it's it's who it's big and bad michigan who it's big and bad texas well uh push comes to shove they're they're not going to win the fight right and I've never, post-Riley, I've never thought Nebraska was soft, right? I just thought it just, for, for whatever, it wasn't because of toughness that Nebraska would, lost, would, would lose a game. I think it took a little while to, to get tough, and it took quite a bit of time to, to transition to be Big Ten tough. 
I don't think Bo's teams had problems with that. I think Riley's teams uh, morphed into that. There was a certain reputation out, especially when Nebraska played Iowa. You punch them in the mouth enough, they'll fold, right? And I don't think Nebraska can say a lot of things about the, the football program the last few years, but I don't think folding uh, has has been an issue or, or quitting or or getting beat to a bloody pulp by a Wisconsin or an Iowa. They haven't won those games, but Nebraska has not been physically dominant. And, and we've said it that the, the first time Nebraska – really, really looked like a Big Ten offensive and defensive line, more so defensive line. We can even go back to the COVID year, right? On the line to scrimmage, game one against Ohio State, Nebraska wasn't just getting moved around like it was electric football. So I I don't think, I don't think toughness is an issue, but I do think running the football and being able to run run the football is is a great sign about where your program's at. Do you agree with some of the things he said on that. And that's what's going to be key about this year, right? As much as Nebraska will have weapons to throw the football and and maybe a, a quarterback or two to pick from that can do that uh, with this Whipple offense, man, when push comes to shove, it's going to be the O-line and it's going to be bad weather and it's going to be able to uh, to go get some some short yardage conversions on a third down in November. I mean, to me, that's that's really what helps define success. That's what defines postseason. That's what defines tenure. And, and part of that is toughness. And the I don't know that Nebraska is entitled. I think I think college football coaches to a team, to a league, have a more of an uphill climb to to break down some lofty self-opinions because of what recruiting is and has become, and even with the portal or NIL. I mean, kids are coming in with a lot of lot of George Costanza wallets based on future bets and how the world is now with college football. You, you're, you're, you're compensated before you've proven it. And that's not going to be undone but the really good ones find a way, like a Saban, uh, to to get their message across, to get buy-in, and then to go get performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, just going back to this, this uh, Nebraska being a potentially uh, an entitled team, uh, you're, you hit nail on the head with the Mike Riley teams. Uh, they felt like they had that country club mentality almost of, oh, we're at Nebraska, we've made it. Now we're all right. And, and you said the same about Texas. I'd add USC to that list, at least USC within the past 10 years, of, of being those, those teams that are soft, punch them in the mouth a couple times, they'll fold because of that quote-unquote country club mentality. They're not willing to get nitty-gritty. And you're, you're right, you've seen it in this Husker football team this year for the most part. I, I feel like though there is those moments where Nebraska, uh, in, in key spots especially, you, you do see that shine through a little bit more. And I guess you're going back a few years now. I don't think we really saw it last season. No, I mean, I don't. And this isn't, to me, the the last couple of years, not 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 per guy. There's guys on the that played during the Riley era that are tough physical mm-hmm, football yeah. guys. Absolutely. But the, the overall, I guess, mentality wasn't good. Uh, and, and you saw... 
deer in headlights, oh, God, here comes Ohio State, right? With Frost and company, it's been more self-harm. It's not been toughness. It's not been weight room. It's not been trying to pay the price during the offseason. I, I think all of that's good, but it's been a it's been a running game issue with can you equate success to running as much as college football's pass happy <laughs> yeah right wisconsin iowa sparty michigan ohio state when they crank it out they're all able to line up and kill you on the ground and that'll be big this year let's transition to gabe Irvin. oh i was gonna quickly we did have a caller in okay um and uh, I apologize if I butcher this. He didn't want to go on the air, didn't want to give his name, but uh, he, he was dropping in and out, but he essentially said uh, the quotable thing from him was, uh, most people don't have stupid written on their forehead, uh, especially in the Big Ten territory, where it comes down to offensive line and defensive mm-hmm. line play. So so is that a, do, I, do I need to scrub my forehead? I'm unsure. I wasn't sure if he was taking a shot at you or not. So. Yeah. Well, have him call back. Get a better phone. <laughs> it could have been us for all I know. No, that's fine. No, I no, ab- absolutely, and it, it does. It comes down to it. And oh, oh, we got a call back in. That's maybe, sweet. Maybe I butchered it. <laughs> maybe maybe you butchered it. The the miracle of of five G cell service for sure. But yeah, it is offensive line. It's run game, and and you have Gabe Irvin, kind of a forgotten guy just because of his injury, because of where. Things started for him, and God, that was sad to see down in Norman. And and I pray that it it turns around for him. And I'm excited to see a talent like Irvin thrive. Mm. We have an update. Yeah, we, we got it right. We're good. He he was uh, he was in line with us, just saying. Yeah, come down to offensive line defense. No, abs- absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, you have a guy like Irvin. You have a guy like uh, Ramir. Uh, you have Yant. What what can he do? Uh, with uh, the offensive line. Good story, and give credit to Robin Washett on Teddy Prohaska because uh, Teddy's uh, a guy that really, in limited time pre-injury, really reset that offensive line in a positive light. Same with Turner Corcoran. He is better at the right side than the left. And and, in fairness to Turner, he's, he's still a young player. In fairness to Teddy Prohaska, he's still a really young player. And that's asking a lot for both of these guys to, to, to play at a high level. They want to. I think they're, they're working towards it. But that's, that's a big ask, man, to have both come back, come, both come back healthy and then excel against uh, opposing Big Ten defenses. Be be really good or be all-conference good or honorable mention good because I think Nebraska is going to need that. I think they can do it, but that's that's a hard ask as limited as their careers have been. But maybe maybe they are prodigies. Maybe they are the exceptions, but you just don't see that a lot in the Big Ten on the lines of scrimmage. Yeah, and, and maybe they'll make a, a, a jump here under the, the tutelage of, of Coach Riola, but I don't think it's a stretch to say that these young guys along the offensive line living up to their expectations, if they can do that this season, it'll be the single most important factor in Nebraska's success in 2022. If guys like uh, Prohoshka can come back from the injury and, and even make a leap off the freshman year, kind of make that, that body change and, and just 
physicality change that's necessary in the college football game and can Corcoran settle in at that right mm-hmm. tackle spot and, and provide you with two bookend offensive tackles that are going to protect you on, on each side from these nasty nasty defensive ends that you're going to see in the Big Ten and another another third name is two two more names two guys that have more experience than a Teddy and a Turner Ben Hart mm-hmm. Piper I mean those are two names those are you have, you have uh New Ely, that, that has seen a number of snaps and then settling in on the, the right guy at center because you're you're replacing a, a stud at, at center in Cam Jurgens. Well, I think it comes down to these guys that we, we saw the hype coming in. We saw the rankings. Out well, they're of high good. School. Like like the, those guys, the guys like Ben Hart and Prohoshka and the guys we've been excited for for a long time, Banks. It's about them living up to their expectations that we had on them when they came to Nebraska. Well, Dottie's uh, going to get them ready, uh, and uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, under uh, 75 days till kickoff. A jock doc's on the way. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon Seifert with this Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon, we may have a new leader in the clubhouse for Jock Docs. Over the many years of Jock Docs, uh, guess who again? It's Steven Strasburg. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That poor guy, he's been on here so much. He has with Shoulder and Tommy John and several stints to the IL, this time a 15-day IL stint with a stress reaction of the ribs. Tell me a little more uh, with this, and I know he's got a thorac outlet syndrome uh, that this could be related to that ended his 2021 season. Yeah, you know, pretty interesting. It's definitely more of a, a rare slash kind of unique type of injury. Um, not often that you hear of this. As we were thinking about kind of anatomy, this area, they kind of talked about that second and third rib region. So if you kind of feel along your chest wall, obviously you know where your ribs are, and you kind of take your fingers and kind of walk up towards your neck. You know, that first and second rib is pretty high. It's kind of just right up underneath the uh, collarbone or clavicle. That would be where that's located. Um, you start asking the question, you know, how in the world do you irritate that area? Why does he have, you know, kind of a stress reaction there? You know, the biggest thing there is, you know, one, can you have some irritation just from obviously that chronic repetitive throwing where that rotation that goes through that clavicle and having that shoulder maybe elevate up a little bit, you can get some kind of rubs and irritation there. That could be part of it. There's this this pathology described as this thoracic outlet syndrome and essentially what can happen there is where that uh, that first and second rib are located sometimes it'll have either a some thickening in that rib or it might actually have a little bit of an angulation where it angles more downward and as it does that there's some important kind of vascular neurovascular structures that basically travel through that area and if you put your arm in a certain position in particular if you reach up over your head or you reach out to your side like in that kind of early cocking phase with throwing you basically bring that neurovascular structure 
structures up into that region. And if you have a rib in that area that's pointing downward, then obviously that gets irritated or that rib irritates the nerve acid structures. And that's really what that thoracic outlet syndrome would be reflective of. Um, but again, usually it's more on the neurovascular side, the nerves, the vessels are having your issues. It's not really on the kind of stress reaction side, so kind of a more unusual injury for this poor fella. So it's just a lot of discomfort and pain when it gets time to be a wind-up time for him on the hill. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, you know, it's not a huge kind of structural issue in terms of, you know, what are the odds this would, you know, fracture off. Uh, create you know, more of an issue. It really does become more of just kind of managing the symptoms kind of issue. Obviously, the treatment is rest at some point. Dr. Brandon Seinfeld's with us, a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Steven Strasburg, our topic, and uh, he has, uh, well, a stress reaction of the ribs. Do you know anybody who has had this, either not even baseball, but just across any sports and scale of pain, is it is it one of the more painful uh, maladies out there that uh, it's too hard to play through, it sounds like? Yeah, you know, great question, Chris. You know, on one, on one hand, the kind of, you know, stress reaction, in, and basically what a stress reaction is, I forgot to describe that, is essentially inflammation in the bone. It's kind of a precursor to a true stress fracture. Uh, but that aspect of it, you know, stress reaction within the bone, especially in this area, in the second and third rib, uh, very, in first and second, very uncommon. I've never treated that myself personally. I've read about it before, but it's so rare. Going to the foot side of that thoracic outlet syndrome where you actually have this kind of impingement process going on where the neurovascular structures are coming through that canal. Uh, that actually, it's not common. I've seen it, um, and I've seen some athletes with it. Um, but it's not a super fortunate, not a super common thing. You know, the, the, like a lot of things, the symptoms are kind of all over the map. Most of the time, they're fairly mild. A lot of patients don't you know, really do much for it. You know, it's obviously been around forever. I think there's been more research done into it. There's been more notoriety about it, so people know more about it. And so now we're you know, probably seeing it more just because patients are more aware of it. Um, from a treatment perspective, yes, you know, there are those out there that have really a lot of severe kind of nasty pain from it that's quite limiting. You know, maybe sleeping at night's a problem. Obviously, if you're doing an overhead sport, that can be pretty limiting, too. Um, and then you have to start talking about, you know, is it a therapy issue that can make this better, which that does have some success, versus actually going in and having to basically open up that area, which can involve essentially taking out that, that tip or that end of that first rib that's causing the impingement. Dr. Brandon, I looked back to uh, about a year ago with uh, Strasburg, and he was shut down. Um, last game he pitched before this week was uh, was June 1st, and he spent much of the time last season, <clears throat> excuse me, July 28th is when he had his corrective thoric outlet syndrome surgery, and we've touched on the nerves and arteries and veins near that neck and the armpit region. So he had corrective surgery for the, the syndrome. Could that, could that surgery have started this, this stress issue in the ribs? Are they related at all? Could, it have, could one cleanup have caused uh, problems in another area? Yeah, Chris, that's a really good point. No, that, that would be, unfortunately, probably the more common of the two reasons as opposed to overuse versus, you know, something surgically atrogenic maybe causing an issue. And so in this setting, there is a good chance of that. 
that from the surgery itself, um, whether it was just the scar tissue or whether it was by resecting part of that rib to basically open up that space, did you may in fact, you know, create some stability issues of the ribs in the area and now they're maybe being stressed in a different way, which has led to, you know, the inflammation or edema that has gone up into the bone. It's a really interesting question. Um, obviously, you take a guy that's, you know, doing high-level sports like him, he's already putting a ton of stress through it. He's a surgeon on top of it. So definitely I would take a combo of those two things. Dr. Brennan, I just want to ask you, I mean, with how many times we've talked about Steven Strasburg here in the past, is there anything to a guy being quote-unquote injury prone? Is that, is that a legitimate thing within the medical community? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it can be in the sense of if you have somebody who maybe has you know more elasticity within their joints, maybe a little bit of collagen defects, they're more elastic in their joints, they're more prone to injury uh, depending on what sport they're doing. So one, if they're doing like a high-level repetitive like overhead sport like he's doing, and yeah, they're, there's definitely, they're definitely a bit more injury prone to that. Again, it's always walking that fine line, though, because you take some of those folks that are, you know, we call them extra lax, they're kind of loose-jointed. Um, I mean, how do you throw a baseball over 100 miles an hour? Well, you have loose joints, right? You can put your shoulder in a place where the rest of us can. And so you always are kind of walking that fine line. So I do think there probably are some structural abnormalities that occur that lend some patients to being more injury-prone. Um, but I also think there's such a huge portion of those athletes out there, too, that either, A, don't have great technique, um, or B, maybe their biomechanics are not great. You know, let's, let's take an exaggerated example of somebody who, you know, it's the young female athlete whose you know, knees basically touch in the middle, the knock knee deformity. Um, that's a horrible alignment to be into, and it you know, puts a lot of stress in your ACL. They're going to be more prone to, like, an ACL tear. That's just one example. But biomechanics do play a big role in sports, and so, again, if somebody doesn't have great mechanics, they're going to be more prone to having, you know, lots of injuries. Uh, that's kind of kind of get the injury bug as you describe. Uh, so I think it's probably a combo of you know genetics play a role, but also biomechanics as well. Dr. Brandon Seifert with this Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, great to get caught up. Thanks for giving us uh, some info on Strasburg today. Hey, you bet, guys. Y'all take care, and hope it's the last time we talk about Strasburg. <laughs> Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Going to wind it down here. Hour two almost finished up. Good stuff from Gary Barnett on entitlement and how uh, you get that out of your football program. It's by running the ball. Mike Babcock was with us in hour one. Mike Shuhart talked U.S. Open as uh, his thoughts on the upcoming tournament that gets underway tomorrow. 
and uh, Elijah's all geared up for his abs. I am half tempted to find a way into the uh, the contest on Saturday night. And you said what six hundred bucks will get me third 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 tier. Speaking of speaking of tiers, I mean we spent a lot of time talking college football tiers. In mafia terms, is Nebraska an underboss, a soldier, or an associate? If you're a mafia fan, well, okay, yeah. So six hundred dollars mm-hmm. does, in fact, get you. And uh, that's for uh, game one. I, I haven't checked game two prices yet because I, I have other plans. Like t- tonight, I could have, like, you know, taken the train or something and figured it out, made it out there. But <laughs> kid, um, yeah, you like <laughs> have fun, Schmidt. Figure out your own damn show. <laughs> <laughs> We are um, we are off to uh, to Denver tomorrow through well back at some point Monday. Uh, we'll have the weekend edition live from from Colorado Juniors baseball game. He's in a wood bat tournament, so uh, travel tomorrow and uh, and then games Friday. So Elijah is driving the bus. Mm-hmm. I'll be in uh, tomorrow as well as Friday. Mm-hmm. So uh, Will Wilson with me tomorrow. Uh, you figure it out Friday yet? We'll we'll figure out who's in with me on you, Friday. You can check with uh, Pride of Fairbury. It's either going to be Connor Clark or Bill Dolman in with me on Friday. Okay. Uh, Saturday will be uh, you and me. Is Cranack in for the Saturday morning I show? Will f- I will find out. I'll oh, see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, Monday we uh, we are off on Hale Varsity Radio. We'll show, have so College World Series. We'll have College World Series here, and I believe our affiliates in uh, Carney. Carney will also Grand have, Island. Uh, yes. College World Series coverage on Monday. So. Got that to look forward to, but I will say if you make it into the Stanley Cup game on Friday, you need to figure out like a way to get like a phone stand, set the phone up, and FaceTime me so I can experience the the glory of the Stanley Cup. Actually, we will we will just forget about it. We're just going to do a live streamyard, ten minute show Saturday night. If I go, yeah, let's. I mean, we're supposed to go see the Rockies, and I know it's Husker night out at uh, Coors Field. That's all well and good, but if the Stanley Cup Finals are in town. And we're in town. Why not just go? Well, it's expensive, but that's well, on you. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm not uh, taking the kid or the wife. <laughs> Send him to Husker night. <laughs> yeah, you, you go. Here's your here's an eight dollar rock pile seat uh, at Coors Field. I'm going to go to a Stanley Cup final. I will say I don't think you can go wrong with either of those choices. Coors Field has been described as that's awesome. It's been described as a bar that happens to have a baseball game going on the inside. No, oh, uh, that's so that's the plan. It's a great way, and then Ball Arena is just. I mean, it's a great venue, beautiful on the inside. It'd be Stanley Cup playoff or Stanley Cup finals action, so you can't go wrong. Yeah, and maybe the the trick there is to 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 see if there's anything floating around out outside Ball Arena right after the first period ends. Mm. Well, I mean, the the two stadiums are pretty close to one another. That's what actually. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, so. I got to pull the uh, baseball dads and see if they want to audible and try and get into a Stanley Cup finals game. That would be one of those lifetime experiences. It is. Reminder to buckle up, hands on the wheel, eyes and mind straight ahead. The driver has one job to drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Get the podcast, Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.